We only have a short time in which to live in this world. It is a probationary time period. Every moment, every hour belongs to Jesus. Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Ben Burkhart here. We are back studying through Titus chapter 2. We've got some powerful stuff to look at here. We are going to be picking up our studies today, going into verse 5. And the instruction that was given to the aged women and how they may teach the younger women to live in the church. A lot of the biblical teachings and instructions here come for the family, the young family in particular, looking at young women young husbands, and how they can truly live for the glory of God. So a lot of powerful instruction we're going to look at here, biblical instruction that oftentimes runs counter to what the culture today is saying. We want to make sure that we are following the Bible and not the voice or voices of the world around us. So we'll be looking at that today as we continue on in our journey through Titus chapter 2. Let's pray as we start. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessing today. May your Holy Spirit guide us in the word of life, that we may know Jesus, and that we may know the way of life. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, we were looking in verse 4 at the older women teaching the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, and verse 5 talks about being discreet, chaste, keepers at home. So let's launch into verse 5 right now. So it tells us now in verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So this is the instruction being given to the younger women, and the older women are helping with this. And of course, the ministers are helping to provide teaching as well. And it tells us here that the younger women are to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Now, there is specific instruction in the Bible for the sexes. There is specific instruction for men and what they are called to do, and what is their place in the home, what is their place in society. And there is specific instruction for women. What are they to focus on? What is their place in various things? How can they help to build a godly Christian home and a godly influence in the world? What are they actually called to do? What are we called to do? You know, today's world is offering all sorts of different solutions. Today's world has the sexes all mixed up. Male-female is mixed up, and a lot of times people are born one sex and then said to be something else. And this is not what God has called us to. This is not what God has designed us for. And you can look throughout Scripture. 
that God calls us to embrace the gender identity that he has given us at birth. God calls us to embrace that. He wants our mind to be matched up with the body he has given us. Uh, Sin, unfortunately, corrupts our thinking process. Sin leads people the wrong direction so that you can't tell which way is up and which way is down. You get confusion, you get dysphoria, you get all kinds of things, and in the end, it can only hurt us. Now, the unfortunate thing is that the world is filled with lies, and the sciences of the world are filled with lies, a lot of lies about who we are supposed to be. Our identity needs to come through God. Our identity needs to come through Jesus Christ. And when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then he begins to build us up and to really help us to understand who we were created to be. He helps to refine our thinking, to remove the sin from our thinking, and to help our thoughts to go in the right direction. When we first come to Jesus, our thoughts may be all over the place. Our thoughts may be really mixed up or confused because the world would have it so and Satan would have it so. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. But as we begin to know God and his love for us, the saving love of Jesus, this works upon our hearts and God's word directs us and guides us in the right way so that we begin to have clarity on who we are in Christ and who we are created to be in God. And the Lord helps us. Those those desires that we might have that are wrong, that are actually going the wrong direction, God helps us to experience a cleansing. God helps us to experience changes. He shows us the right way. And we begin to realize, okay, this is the way, and I need to follow the voice of God. And God gives us grace. He gives us a new heart. He gives us new desires so that we will pursue a new life. And I think it's very, very important that we understand that as we look at some of the particulars here in these verses, uh, that we understand the world today is really confused because of sin and because lies have been embraced around the world. But as we get to know God and his love, we see a different side of things. We see a different picture and we see God's call to holy living. We see God's call to embracing our masculinity for men, to embracing our femininity for ladies, and to embracing our place in society, whether the aged or the young, to embracing those those places within society, those roles. It's important that we understand this from a godly perspective, from a godly standpoint. And think about how the home itself has been kind of uprooted in modern culture. That uh, in today's world, we don't really place value on homemaking or building up a home. Uh, For a woman to have a place in a home to help to really build up the home and have a focus there, have a ministry there to the home, uh, this is something that the world today does not prize. And everything that you hear from different sides is, go out and make something of yourself uh, that obviously doesn't have anything to do with the home. And so everybody wants to get out of the home. And the duty of raising children 
Uh, we all want to throw it off on somebody else, like a professional babysitter or a daycare or some other uh, kind of place. And also, we have all these wants that the, the world puts on us and things that you just have to have. And, and so we're chasing after these things. The prices of, of everything is going up around us. And so the temptation is, wow, I need to go out there and make a lot more money so I don't have time to raise kids uh, because I've got to you know, keep up with all these things in the world. But you know, God has ways of helping us in this world. And if it's the season of life, the season of life where you're raising children, there needs to be a special focus on that ministry of raising children. And fathers have their part, they have their role to play, and mothers have their part, they have a role to play. And you should never underestimate the importance of a mother. Never underestimate the importance of making a home, making a godly, loving Christian home, because the influence of that home is to change the world. The influence of that home, of that family, and how children are raised, and the values that are instilled within those children, the influence from there is to shake the world for Jesus. It's to change the world for good. But if we don't put that focus and emphasis on godly family life and raising a godly family and making a godly home, if we don't put that emphasis there, then we are headed for problems. And today, the world has a lot of problems because we do not put an emphasis on it, because we actually devalue that ministry of the home, of the Christian home, and of the family in general. We have devalued that. Everyone wants to say, well, we've got to do something for ourselves. We've got to get all of these accolades for ourselves. We've got to get all this money in the bank account for ourselves. And we abandon the very things that God has called us to do and to focus on, which would make the world a better place, that would make our lives better, that would make children's lives better, that would make families happier. We abandon that, and we leave ourselves empty, and we bring a lot of woe and untold sorrow to the world because uh, we are not raising up godly children from godly homes and godly families. This is a big problem in our world today, and of course we have to understand that backdrop as we look at these scriptures, as we look at these verses, and we see here from verse 4, we've already pointed out that there is a, a teaching, there is to be a teaching of the young women to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children. Yes, the Bible does say in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands, but it also says wives love your husbands. Yes, there needs to be love and respect all around. Wives love your husbands and love your children. In other words, look out for each other care for one another, spend time uh, looking out for the well-being of each other. And in this case, it says for the, the young women to love their husbands and love their children. So how can they make a wonderful home? How can these young wives make a wonderful home and help their husbands in a loving way and also help their children in a loving way? So when you look now at verse 5, it says, we're looking at more of the details here, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. So first of all, chastity. 
chastity and discreetness. Discreetness, again, is going to be a, a focus on what is right, a, a focus on, on the good things, and, and also, you know, keeping family matters that are private family matters, keeping them private not gossiping, not sharing a bunch of things around. So so the word discreet, of course, has a lot of value here and meaning for us uh, as well in this overall context. And now the word chastity, to be chaste, to not be provocative, to not be chasing or promoting sensuality. Uh, some, some people think back to um, some of the concepts of medieval times with chastity. But, you know, this is a virtue. This is a virtue to live a chaste life where you're not out there sporting around and promoting sensuality. A godly Christian woman, a young woman, is not to be promoting sensuality as the world is widely promoting, um, not to be using their body to, uh, to promote things of a sensual nature, but to actually just live a humble, simple, godly life and to dress in a manner that is becoming of a woman of God, to dress in a manner. Now, does the Bible get out the ruler and lay down an exact law, exactly how everything's supposed to look? It doesn't actually go that go that far, but it gives you principles, and we have to look at the principles of godly living, and this one here is is chastity. Now, it goes more than just the dress. It goes to the demeanor or the manner in which we live and present ourselves. Uh, If you're chaste, then your whole way of living is a godly way that would never suggest things that were impure to others, that your heart and mind and soul only wants to promote what is pure and holy. So that is to be through our whole mindset and attitude and interactions, and it's to be through our dress as well. Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire? Or the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. So the Bible says here to be discreet and to be chaste and to be keepers at home. Now, this here is one of the things that has been greatly underestimated in our society today, to be keepers at home. There is an important work here. So the home actually takes a lot of work. I don't know if you've noticed Hopefully you have, but the home takes a lot of work. Who's going to help to keep a lot of things clean in the house? Sure, there's enough chores to go around for the whole entire family. It shouldn't just fall on one person. Uh, But think about this. You want people who can specialize in different tasks and kind of oversee things. So if the husband is outside the home working and overseeing a lot of uh, you know outside earning and whatnot, then you have the wife here who's a, a keeper at home. Who is it that brings this wonderful spirit to the home? Who is it that helps to kind of set a standard in the home and say, look, the, the home needs to look 
attractive. The home needs to look, it doesn't have to be glamorous and over the top, but it needs to be clean. Uh, the home needs to be warm. It needs to be a loving environment. And who creates that environment of love in the home? Who creates that wonderful place, that that nest at home where the folks who are outside say, you know what, I just want to go home. You know, I want to go home and experience a good place. A lot of people in the world today don't have a good place. They don't have a good home. And a lot of folks are trying to stay out, stay out as long as they can because home is not a home to them and and for good reason sadly so we want there to be a keeping at home and the bible says that the young wives the young women are called to be keepers at home to help make home a real home and if you think about uh decorative sense yes uh, decoration a lot of times for the home it comes down to what does the woman like for decoration most guys don't care a, t- a lot about that. They don't care too much. <laughs> as long as it seems to look nice, all right, that's good. Let the wife take care of it. So keepers at home, there is something to do to create a place of love, to create a place of safety, to create a place of cleanliness, to create a place where you can depend on things, uh, where you know that you're going to get some food, you're going to get a meal on the table. There is just really a lot to do when you think about it to create this wonderful environment in the home. So the Bible talks about important family roles, and it talks about how we can focus on those different roles. And if you think about a mother, uh, she is naturally equipped to take care of children, naturally equipped to feed young babies. Uh, She, of course, carries the baby for nine months. And then naturally, she moves to feeding that baby, uh, breastfeeding. And then you see that there is uh, a natural progression to say, okay, I'm going to feed my child something else now. I'm going to give some solid food to this child. And so this is a, an important part of the mother's influence in the home, the mother's role in the home. And there is that natural uh, part of focusing on on children and raising them up in a wonderful and godly way. Uh, This is something that is naturally designed. It's something that the woman can do in a special sense that the man is more limited to do. Now, if you think about how men and women are created, uh, men are created as generally a little bit bigger, um, a little bit stronger, like with testosterone and muscles. So men have a leaning towards the work. The, the heavier work, the outside stuff, and going out, doing a job, fighting a battle. And men tend to have this mental focus even on doing these things, doing these jobs. And women seem to have more of a focus on relationships and talking and sharing. These are natural things about the psyche of the woman and the psyche of the man and even the physical attributes of how we are created. Yes, we can help each other. Yes, we can do things on the various sides of the coin here, but notice how we are created by God. We are created in a certain way to be able to focus and to provide something special in a certain direction, whether male or female. So God has, has assigned roles. God has given roles. And here in the Bible, we are called back to 
those godly roles. It tells us here again to be uh, discreet, chaste, keepers at home. These young women are to learn this godly way of home making. And this should make the home a welcoming place to all the young persons coming in and out of it and all the older persons coming in and out of it. They should be able to make a wonderful place that people would want to be at, that the husband will want to come home because there's a place of peace. Think about it. The spirit and the heart of the mother is also very, very important here uh, in this whole thing. Having a good heart, having a good mind and spirit to create love so that when people come to the home, they find peace. They find rest. They don't find contention. They don't find troubles. They find, they find comfort. They find embrace. They find rest. They find the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. This is what we need to find in the home. And all of us, all the members of the home and of the family, need to contribute to that kind of a spirit. But certainly, the mother has a very special role in home making. So when the Bible says here in verse 5, keepers at home, this is something that is very special for the woman to be able to uh, to do and to take care of, to take care of the home and the children, and to raise them up to be godly young men and women who will change the world for good. A child left to himself is like a weed growing up, or a plant that has no training, and that's not good. You don't want a child without good training. You need good, solid training so that these children learn to be responsible young people and responsible adults, especially in a Christian sense. People who love the Lord Jesus, young people who love the Lord Jesus, and you want to instill those godly values in your children. There is a special work to be done by the mothers in the home and a special work by fathers, of course, outside the home and in the home. And if the children are all raised, obviously you may have a little extra time to focus on some other things. Still, there's a work to keep a home, but when the children are out on their own, uh, then obviously you're in a different phase of life, and you can also focus on some more outside activities, as well as still, uh, you know, keeping the mind on creating home and godly Christian society. Okay, so verse 5 continues on, and it says good. So teach them to be good. We all want to do what is good and what is right. And then it says, obedient to their own husbands. Now, this verse, uh, a lot of people would probably object today. They would say, what? Obedience to my husband? You know, the Bible says, children obey your parents. And if you preach that sermon, children obey your parents, people will be like, amen. Yes, children obey your parents. And uh, then you preach, if you preach wives, obey your husbands, you're probably not going to get a bunch of amens. You might not. Uh, most people probably don't even think about this Bible verse or other verses that are like it, because there are other verses like it. Um, it says there that the wives should be obedient to their husbands. They should obey their husbands. Well, what does that say about the home and how it's designed? Because a lot of times today, people, people will say, um, you know, I'm, I'm half of this equation and you're half of this equation, so we come in 50-50, and uh, both of us are equally in charge, and uh, we're going to make a, you know, uh, the rule sheet and expectations, and we're just going to, we're just going to, you know, kind of come together and draw our boundaries. 
and how we're going to make this work. A lot of people will come and approach it this way today. And of course, you always have to have expectations and things that are set up and you don't want to be um, a lazy slob in your home or family, somebody who's not contributing. Uh, Everyone needs to contribute. But think about this here, Um, obedient to their own husbands. That tells you that there is an order in the family. It tells you that God himself has established an order in the family that God is actually called the husband to be the head of the family, and that the wife, although she's a leader in her home, she's a parent, and she has a voice, um, still she has a position in the home where the husband is called to be the head of the family, and she is to work with the husband. And the husband obviously needs to look out for her well-being. He's not trying to to make her life miserable. He's looking out for her well-being with love. As Christ looks out for the church with love, Jesus cares about us and what we think. And Jesus cares about helping us. But still, Jesus is in charge ultimately when you think about it. The relationship between the church, that is God's people, and Jesus, Jesus is in charge of the church. So who's the master? Who's the Lord? It's Jesus. And the Bible says that in the home, the husband is appointed by God as the head of the family, the head of the household, that he does have a final say in things. But, of course, you pray that this will be in a godly manner, not just leading the family astray, as sadly uh, happens many times in our world. And men that are not living godly lives, but they're trying to live uh, you know, live like a boss and lead people into sin, uh, even in their own family, and that's corruption. That's wrong. You know, the Bible says we need to follow Christ, and the husband, yes, he is the head of the household. There should be respect for the head of the household, and children should be taught to have respect for their father, uh, to have respect for the head of the household, and ultimately, the respect that we learn in the home, it moves on to how do we respect God? our Heavenly Father? Do we respect His authority? These are some very serious questions that come out of the lessons that we learn in the home and the order of the home. Now, I want to share with you a couple verses here from Ephesians 5 that just bring out this point a little bit more. In Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So there is this submission from wives to the husbands. And, and yes, a lot of people will point out verse 21 of Ephesians 5 where it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And the context there, of course, is in the church, uh, in, in society, submitting yourselves to each other. And I believe that with husbands, they also have some things that they will submit to the wives, but they're not going to give up their place as the head of the family. God doesn't call us to give up that place. God has called us to hold that role as the head of the family. So the Bible says specifically here, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. It's Ephesians 5.22. Now it says, furthermore, in verse 23 of Ephesians 5, for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, that tells us that Jesus cares about the church. (laughs) Jesus is the Savior of the body. He was willing to give his life for the church. Is the husband willing to give his life 
for the wife and family? Is he willing to sacrifice for them, for their well-being? Is he willing to take care of them? Because there are some people who, who take this Bible teaching and they try to flip it around and basically try to minister to their own selfish desires instead of following godly ways and uplifting Christ and looking out for the wife and the family. So uh, let's not be a fool, but let's be someone who follows Christ. So husbands need to follow Christ, but the Bible says here, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. We're not going to demote Christ. We're not going to tell Jesus how he's going to run the church or tell Jesus what the law is. Um, He is the head of the church. Now, when Jesus teaches leadership, he does teach servant leadership. Jesus came to serve us. Jesus came to help us. Jesus came to show us that he cares about us and our needs. Husbands need to do the same thing. Do you care about your wife? Do you care about her needs? Do you care about your family? Uh, do you try to help them? Do you sacrifice and give to help your family? The call to leadership, the call to this role as head of the family for a husband is a very important call, and it's a call that we should not take lightly. It's a call to to sacrificial service, to loving service, and yes, it is a call to responsibility, that you are the head of the, the household, and you are going to be held accountable as the husband. You are the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and yet you are to minister to her needs and the family's needs like Christ ministers to our needs. Now, verse 24 of Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So there is this uh, submission and there is uh, being subject to them. Okay, so husband is the head of the family and uh, Christ is the head of the church. The Bible is very, very clear on this. And, and then, of course, it's very quick to remind us in verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So there is that giving on the part of the husband, that he's looking out for the well-being of his wife. And this is where a lot of people go wrong, because a lot of guys, even Christian guys, will, will say, yeah, I'm the head of the house, and then they get really demanding and and exacting of everyone, and then they just start throwing around their own wants and desires and even sinful desires and just hammering over everyone else's head. Now, is that how Jesus behaves? Is that what Jesus does, that he just hammers our heads and and just beats us into submission? Is that the way of Christ? Is that the love of Christ? No, the love of Christ is giving yourself for the well-being of the family and helping to build up your family, helping to guide them in the way of love. The Bible says in verse 28 of Ephesians 5, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So husbands, love your wives. Um, Take care of them. Build them up. Help them and help your children too. So we need to just understand this as we consider these verses. Now, going back to Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, the phrase that we were looking at was obedient to their own husbands. So, does the wife call, uh, sorry, does the Bible call for wives? Does the Bible call for wives to be obedient to their husbands? Yes, it does. 
Does the Bible call for children to be obedient to their parents? Yes, it does. Does the Bible establish an order for the family? Yes, it does. Throughout multiple books of the Bible, and even from the very beginning of the Bible, we find this order established. God created Adam first, then he created the woman to stand beside him and to help him, and the woman was taken out of the man. So we have this order given to us from the very creation. And, and then we have this, uh, you know, this teaching throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. These are important teachings that today are often brushed aside, they're overlooked, they're little understood, and people start getting their views from society around us instead of following Christ's teachings, instead of following the Bible. And that is big trouble. <laughs> that is big trouble when we start following the culture around us instead of following Christ. So we want to make sure that we understand this incredible truth as the Bible teaches it. And it goes on in verse 5 of Titus 2, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, so the word of God will not be dishonored. It will not be spoken against by our life, by our example, but instead we will uplift the word of God and its teachings. And people in the world will say, wow, you guys are a bit different. Why do you do it this way? And why do you seem so happy? <laughs> because in the end, when we follow the Bible's teaching, when we do things God's way, there is happiness. There is blessing when we follow God when we follow Christ and we do it his way. So we don't want the word of God to be blasphemed. We don't want to be having a bad example in our home and family and following the ways of the world. Instead, we want to follow Christ. And that is essential, that we follow Christ Jesus. Now the Bible goes on to tell us about young men in verse 6. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. You notice this theme of sobriety sober-minded living. It's throughout all of these different age groups you find this call to sobriety right at the top, that we are living in a world of sin and we need to have a sober mind. It's not just a bunch of wild playtime. It's not just running wild here and there, taking whatever comes along. No, the Bible says be sober-minded and choose things wisely. Reject that which is evil, reject that which is harmful, reject that which leads us down wrong paths, and have a sober mind and focus on Christ and focus on his coming. Focus on holy living. And remember that we have an enemy of our souls, the devil, who is seeking to destroy us. So have that sober mind. This is a time of war. It's a, a battlefield. And you don't go messing around on the battlefield unless you want to get killed. So uh, we need to have that mindset as Christians to be sober. And people should see in our life, in, in our ways, and even the way that we use our time, that we are living for Jesus, that we are not wasting our moments here as if we had a million years to live in this sinful world. I hope you were blessed in this study today, looking at these powerful verses on how to live a practical life of godliness in this present world. We're going to be continuing our journey through Titus in the next lesson, looking at the remainder of the chapter, looking at the coming of Christ, and God's call for holy living in this world today. Let's pray as we close. 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love. Thank you for these incredible truths about how to live for you and how to follow the model for a godly family. Lord, we pray that we would truly be following you and your counsel and not the things of the world around us. Uh, May you guide us, Lord, and prepare us for the culture and society of heaven. May heaven be in our homes. May your spirit and your principles be in our homes. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.